Good morning, everyone. This is Greg. Another episode of Grow It Greg, episode number 11. So happy to have you guys this morning on this Friday morning here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's unseasonably warm, uh, but that's going to be short-lived. Next week, I understand we're going to get down into the 40s and 20s and all that good stuff. My favorite time of year, by the way, the cold weather. Uh, but this is a very exciting uh, session of Grow It Greg. Uh, we, we titled it Meet the Bees because as you can see in my background, this is my indoor pollination room. And we actually have indoor pollinating bees. And I'm so excited to talk about those bees this morning, um, tell you just how important they are, um, certainly explain to you what they do in our pollination room. Uh, and so in addition to that, we're gonna talk about hydroponics in general. Um, basic hydroponic questions, if you have any, I would love to answer those for you. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. So what you see behind me are it's a yellow box. You may even see some of the bees that are already coming out this morning, beginning to swarm. That yellow box is the hive. These are common eastern bumblebees. And yes, they are, it's a bunch of them. In that box is the actual hive. There is approximately 50 to 75 of these bumblebees. Let me see if I can get you closer in here to see what they're doing. You can see them coming out of the hive there. I'm gonna cut my ring off. There you go. They're coming out, they're hungry, they're really ready to start pollinating all of the plants that we have growing inside of our pollination room. Um, and we, we decided to do this because we wanted to limit the amount of time that you have to harvest vegetables, vegetables with fruit, um, things like uh, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, strawberries, blueberries, anything that's a fruiting vegetable or a plant that has a fruit, it needs pollination. And since we grow indoors, uh, there's no way to pollinate or hand pollinate, which is possible, every single bloom that comes on a plant. So that's nearly impossible. Um, so that's why we decided to actually bring in pollinating bumblebees. And these bees are the common eastern bumblebee is very used to indoor growing environments like greenhouses, like indoor hydroponic farms. Of course, the temperature needs to be correct, uh, which we've already uh, set for the bees to, to be happy. Uh, there's a question, is there a queen or do they not need one? Yes, there is a queen. Uh, the hive is probably, I don't know, 12 weeks old, but there is a queen. There are worker bees. And this is something my kids had to educate me on. The worker bees are actually females, not the males. So the worker bees come out first to do the work of pollinating. 
what's really, really cool that I learned about bumblebees and why they pollinate so well, they're fuzzy. They've got a bunch of hair on them, uh, the black hair at the top and the bottom of the bee and then the yellow hairs in between. Well, when they go to the flower that's blooming to get the pollen, all of that pollen gets trapped inside of their hairs and they carry it to the next plant then the next bloom and the next flower that makes a very efficient and healthy pollinated uh, a bloom so that you can now have a, a nicely grown fruit uh, that's not dwarfed or minimized in some kind of way because it didn't uh, fully pollinate that's where you get the odd shapes of uh, fruits if you are gardeners and you've uh, grown something that has a weird shape or doesn't look exactly right. Well, a lot of times the, the pollination process, it didn't get pollinated to the full extent before it started developing that fruit. And you see the effects of that, one of the effects is just the lack of proper pollination. So these common eastern bumblebees do an extraordinary job of pollinating inside of our indoor hydroponic farm here in our pollination room. Uh, let's see, there's another question, what do we have? What's up Mylan? Thanks for joining. That was one of the most fascinating parts of my visit. I could sit and watch them all day. I uh, appreciate that Mylan. Yeah, Mylan was here, I had a chance to actually see the pollination room. Let me uh, take you close up so you can actually see what they're doing. If you guys can see, these bees are pollinating the blooms on a couple of different variety of peppers here. We've got peppers growing here, and it looks like a wild jungle. Now, that's by design. Uh, I can share that more about why we let our plants grow out uh, to look this way. That's another episode. Um, but look at them going to work, my goodness. They're doing the same thing on this side with our tomato plants. Looks like a wild jungle. Yeah, it does. Again, that's not because of lack of maintenance. It's by design. We want our plants to fruit as early and as often as they possibly can. Uh, and the reason of that, that means there's more fruit available for you at a much faster grow rate Again, those of you that know tomatoes don't just develop overnight. Anything that's fruiting doesn't just develop overnight. It takes time. We have created our pollination room with our pollinating bees so that by the time you get your grow block system with your plants that are fruiting vegetables like the tomatoes, the peppers, strawberries, all those other uh, fruiting vegetables, they're already have set fruit on the vine. So you are now taking a matter of months down to a matter of weeks before you're ready to harvest. Let's see. In the spring and summertime, my garden helps the bumblebees in our yard when they're falling asleep. Covered in pollinate dust stuff by moving them around. Absolutely. That's, you're absolutely correct, Shayla. That's exactly what 
these bumblebees do, they trap so much pollen. They're excellent pollinators, excellent pollinators. And again, full disclosure, full disclosure, guys, I was terrified of bees. And to some degree, you'll see in later videos, I still get a little squirmy around them, but I respect what they do. I appreciate what they do. And it's amazing how important they are as part of our system, our, our food cycle and our food system and how important they are for us in developing healthy food for us to consume. They are essential. Now there's other pollinators out there. You guys know bumblebees, birds, uh, uh, butterflies, other types of bees and insects that will pollinate. But the bumblebee, in my humble opinion, other experts will tell you the same, they are the best pollinators around. Let's see what else we got here. So yeah, that's um, one of the things I wanted to show you guys. And, and don't forget, if you got questions, add your questions in the uh, DM section. I'd love to answer them. Uh, but we've had these bees for probably about three or four weeks now and fruit has already started setting on some of the plants. Um, some of you that have your grow blocks already, you can see how fast the eggplants and tomatoes and peppers have already started developing on your plants. And the reason for that are my pollinating friends in here. Um, one interesting thing also about the eastern, uh, the common eastern bumblebee, it's a very docile, maybe laid back type of bee. And you couldn't have gotten me to believe that ever just because of my healthy respect for bees and I give them their space and I pretty much give them all of my space. But they're very docile. All they want to do is pollinate take the pollen back to the brood, which is inside of the yellow box there in the hive, so that other uh, younger bees, they can eat and get healthy, become worker bees themselves. Um, one of the questions that I get is, how many bees are in the hive? And they're probably about 75 to 100 of the bees that are actually in the hive and they live for about six or eight weeks and then they die off but during that period of time is not an immediate death it's kind of like a gradual death of the worker bees uh, and by that time all of your plants have been pollinated and have been developing and growing exponentially which is fantastic and what we do is, once the hive is done, we discard them and we get another um, a hive of more worker bees that are ready to begin pollinating our new set of plants. So this cycle happens probably about two to three times a year because we do grow year round. Um, it allows us to produce the pollinating, the fruit and the plants with the, uh, the the, the blooms that have been set for you guys to enjoy all of the uh, fresh fruit 
and all the vegetables with um, fruit sets that are on the plants all year long. We're able to do that and we figured out a really nice way of doing it. So that was one of the things that I wanted to show you guys. Um, today was our pollination room with our bees. Got another question here. Is additional pollination required at home once you receive your plants? Really good question. There is no additional pollination that is required. Reason being, by the time you get plants, they're gonna be at least 10 to 12 blooms on one plant that's already been pollinated. In some cases, you'll already see the fruit that have set on the plant. So there's no need for you to have indoor bees to continue the pollination process whatsoever. We do all of that here, and if you're like me, or you have kids, you got a really healthy respect for bees, maybe borderline scared of them like I am, um, you don't have to go through that horror. Uh, we take care of that with our plants here prior to even shipping the plants out to you. That minimizes the need for you to have to do any additional work. Uh, good question, Myla. Um, one of the other questions that I get about the bees are, will they sting you? Short answer is yes. They are bees, they do have stingers. However, and you can really trust me when as I say this, I can walk in here right now, I'm not gonna do it, but I can, um, and as long as I'm not threatening them or moving fast or swatting them, they will pay me no attention, no attention. You gotta take my word for it. Um, and the reason I say that now, the reason I won't go in there now is I just opened the door for them to come out and feed. So they're very, very active right now. As they get full and start um, winding down, then I can go in there and they're, they're not swarming, they're not active. They're not paying me any attention. Uh, a lot of times that's what I'll do in the afternoons. Now, what's interesting about the hive itself, I don't know if I can zoom in. Oh yeah, I can. What's interesting about this hive, it has a yellow top or lid and a blue door. It's bee vision, that's what I call it. It's an amazing thing. These bees are truly smart. It's bee vision. That blue door is a signal to them that shows them exactly where to go, to go inside the hive, inside the box to the hive, and where to come out. There's actually two doors, and if you look at it now, the little blue cutout with the circle on the uh, left side, don't laugh when I tell you. That is the entrance door. And when that is slid down, the bees know exactly to go in the box only on that side. They will not go inside that box on the other door or the other side, as you can see them doing now. They're only going in the hive on one side. That that blew me away. That was so amazing to me. Well, it's because of it's not visible to the human eye, but to the bees, 
they see some color that tells them this is your entrance door and when they're in there they will only come back out as you just saw one of the bees there they will only come out on the opposite side that blew me away i'm like man not only are these worker bees but they're smart worker bees they have brains they're like intelligent <laughs> i i respected them that much more and it's amazing how uh copper uh, that's the, the copper biological, that's the company that I buy the bees from, how they design and they, their, their knowledge of these type bees have been so that they designed the box to keep the bees very healthy inside the hive and also make it easy for growers like myself and others that use them to operate the system. Um, so in the afternoons, I will close the door and after they pollinate it for a couple of hours, I'll close the door and within 30 minutes, they have all flown back into the hive and to relax, if you will, for the rest of the day. Uh, some days I don't let them out to pollinate and your question may be, well, how do they eat? How do they survive? Um, there is a, a pouch underneath the hive it's a nectar pouch where they actually can get the sweetness from this nectar pouch and that's how they survive while they're inside of the uh, the box so they're they're very very important very neat uh, needful in terms of how we grow our plants here at produce um, let's see another question that I get um, temperature uh, what do they require in terms of temperature um, very comfortable environment nothing higher than 80 degrees uh, nothing lower than 50 degrees uh, if you notice they're not on the floor they're middle ways of the uh, on the wall and that's by design as well uh, so that when they come out they're not so far away from the plants when it's a newer environment they're not so far away from the plants that they don't know where to go they have to learn their new territory so keeping it near keeping the hive near the plants makes it extremely easy for them to come out and begin doing their job of pollinating uh, oh, another question that I have is, so when do you know when to actually get the bees to begin pollinating? You don't want to have the bees working when there's nothing for them to do. So essentially, if your plants have not started blooming and setting blooms on the plant, and not just one or two, but you need quite a bit of blooms for them to actually feed on. So um, I typically won't set the bees prior to two or three months of, um, of the plants developing fruit, I'm, I'm sorry, blooms on the plant. Uh, that way they have something to eat, they have something to do. Otherwise, uh, it's useless. So uh, we typically, after four or six weeks after we see, start seeing the, the blooms setting on the plants, that's when we bring our bees in.
let's see what else we got here. Um, so we're kind of moving, I've shown you our bees, our pollination room, they're such a sight. I sometimes just stand here in amazement of what they do and how much work they uh, really provide and help me out uh, because there's no way that I can pollinate every bloom on every plant and I would die in this room trying to do that. Um, so just general hydroponic questions that I've um, I prepared for you guys, some common questions that I've been asked from time to time. Um, what can be grown hydroponically? Can I grow anything uh, with hydroponics, any kind of plant? Shorter answer is no. You can't grow every, I would love to say yes, but you can't grow everything hydroponically only because it depends on the type of plant. Most herbs, most leafy greens, anything with a shallow root or a small root system can certainly be grown hydroponically. Uh, but things with a bigger root or bigger root system like carrots, um, potatoes, things like that cannot be grown hydroponically just because of the, the bigger humongous roots that they have um, that are growing. Otherwise, I would be growing it. Uh, but you cannot grow everything, but you can grow a lot of stuff, especially in our grow block system. We design it to where you can grow all of the nutrient dense, leafy greens, the herbs, a lot of the fruiting vegetables that we typically eat on a day to day basis. Uh, one of the other things that we've been doing is collecting data uh, from you guys as to what would you like to see us grow. Uh, so that's been very helpful in terms of feedback and it's exciting to me because it's good engagement it lets me know that these are some things that you consume or would like to begin consuming uh, and we'd love to be able to provide that on a regular basis to you. So uh, we've got a lot more plants that are growing that we will be introducing very soon. We have a very extensive variety of types of herbs, lettuce greens, vegetables, and fruit that we're growing now and soon will be available. Uh, but definitely provide some of that feedback. We'd love to uh, grow some other stuff that you guys like and want to grow inside of your grow block. Let's see, another question. Do hydroponic vegetables taste different than store-bought? Absolutely, positively. Um, and not just hydroponically, homegrown vegetables, whether you're growing traditionally or hydroponically, aeroponically, um, uh, aquaponically, it tastes so much different and so much better than traditional stuff that you get in the grocery store. And the reason why you're controlling your food source, you're feeding them, you know, the soil, if you're growing traditionally, you know the nutrients that are in that soil, they taste so much different. And again, those of you like Mylan, you're, you're a grower, you, you know that so much so that it's, it hooks you to where you know you're getting healthier food. Uh, the time from it being on the vine and the time to the time that you're actually consuming that food is so much short 
the nutrients are still there, all the, the vital parts of that food is still in, that, um, in the food that you're eating. So yeah, there is a huge difference and a huge taste difference with food that's grown hydroponically. Um, water, that's another question. What about the water? Can, is there a certain type of water that is required for growing hydroponically? Short answer is yes, no. The reason I say that, um, if you're in a place where the water quality isn't measured or filtered, then I would absolutely say do not use tap water. Um, but if you're in a, a municipal or a city that has decent water, really good water, drinking water, water that you can actually drink from your faucets at home, tap water is perfectly fine. If you're not in that type of space, then your plant is not healthy for you and is not healthy for your plant. So distilled water is preferred. Uh, if you're in a place where you cannot um, grow or drink the water that you get from your system. Um, can you make your own hydroponic nutrients? Short answer again is yes, you can. Do I recommend it? Um, if you want a science project, sure. Uh, it, it gets tricky a lot of times. If you're not experienced, you don't know what you're doing, there's a two, three, and sometimes four part solution or mixture that is needed or required when making your own hydroponic nutrients. I don't recommend it if you're not experienced or familiar with doing that. Uh, so that's why we do that for you. Our grow up, we call it our grow up nutrients. It's already pre-mixed. It's uh, highly concentrated. It's already been tested with all the right minerals, the nutrients uh, that your plants need for growing. And it dissolves in water. Well, it's already been diluted, uh, I'm sorry, dissolved, but it dilutes in water to the perfect pH levels that are optimum for growing your plant. And we do that for you. No need for you to do it. It comes in a little grow up bottle that you just pour into the reservoir of your uh, grow block system. So uh, those of you that have our grow block, you can certainly attest to the ease of use when adding the nutrients every two weeks. You're not having to mix them yourselves. You're not having to do anything but pour a bottle in the reservoir and you're done. Let's see, what time is it? 10.27. Any other questions? Um, you guys have, please feel free to add them in the DM column. Um, is sunlight required for hydroponics? Uh, it depends. Uh, if you're growing hydroponically outdoors, natural sunlight, yes, you do need sun. If you're growing indoors with a uh, full spectrum lighting of some sort, then no, sun is not required. Here's a question here. If plants outgrow the grow block, can they be potted in soil and potentially moved outdoors? Yes, yes, and yes. That's one of the most exciting things about the grow block system 
propagation of plants is easy. Let's say you've got an abundance, which you'll have, an abundance of a type of food or plant that you truly do want to grow outdoors for whatever the season or occasion. You can do that. You can propagate the plants in a hydroponic system just as well or as easy as propagating plants traditionally grown. As a matter of fact, it's easier because there's so much water that is in the plant stalks and the stems of hydroponically grown plants that it easier takes root when you're propagating um, as opposed to some plants traditional growing methods it doesn't have as much water in that plant root system and the plant system itself so you have to supplement it with other things i don't know some people use root tone some people use organic root tones and different things but short answer to your question yes they can be potted in soil and moved outdoors after wait periods and Milan, you're a grower, so you know what the wait periods are. But short answer is yes, that can be done. Um, are LED lights good for hydroponics? Um, yes, we use all LED high efficient lights at our farm and in our grow block. These are high efficient full spectrum, meaning it mimics the sun and all of the rays and all the spectrum that the sunlight has are in these high efficient LED lights that your plants love and they grow uh, very, very healthy uh, systems. So they are definitely needed uh, and they're definitely something that's used and that we've, um, we've We've done a lot of the work to figure out the right types of high-efficient LED lights. It's taken me a long time to sort through to figure those out. We've done that, and the plants grow well. And it doesn't hurt your pockets in terms of uh, power consumption. These are high-efficient lights uh, that draw 48 watts. Well, you're like, Greg, I don't know what that means. What is 48 watts? It draws less power than a laptop plugged into a wall for 14 hours. So if you can draw that um, visual and understand, hey, everyone operates on a desktop or a laptop, just imagining, imagine operating your laptop for four, 14 hours, which is the amount of time these lights are on, it draws less power than your laptop would. All right, so hopefully this was some helpful information for you guys this week on our uh, Grow with Greg session. Hopefully you like learning about our bees. If there was any information in, uh, please, that you can benefit from or someone else you know that can benefit from, please, please, please share the knowledge, share the information. It's a wonderful experience and I'm glad you guys spent some time with me this morning to talk about our worker bees, our pollinating bumblebees. All right guys, so I'm gonna let you run and, and uh, so we'll see you next week, another episode of Grow with Greg. Be looking in your Instagram feeds for um, our special guests. 
and I've got a lot to say about this young man. He's uh, exceptional in my eyes, and I'd love to introduce you guys next week. So stay tuned, enjoy the weekend, and we'll certainly see you again. Take care.